Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. So the king and his kingdom, that's the heart of the God. That's the good news of the good news. Not get saved, not go to heaven when you die. It's not there. I mean, it happens, it's great. But the really good news is the king has come. All right, the next two points, there's four points, stay with me. All right, so the kingdom is the first proclamation of the kingdom. It's what it's all about. Everything is about the kingdom. The church should be about the kingdom. If the church is not about the kingdom, it's not the church. Settle that. Next two, repent and believe. All right, we turn from our old ways, our old life. We accept the forgiveness of Jesus and his mercy. We become new creations. And then we believe this royal announcement. Okay, believe. So it's kingdom, repent, believe. All right? And then the fourth one, last point, is follow. It's follow. It's not just, I believe this. Like I've read some books and I like that and I agree with this. You know? Um, it's not just about going to church and having a, a Jesus bumper sticker on our car. All right? The gospel itself demands, Jesus demands that we follow him. We obey his words. Back to the the gospel this morning. What does it say? Listen to him. That's part of the gospel. All right? Here in the U.S., we have lopped off kingdom. We forgot about the goal. We made church the goal. And that's the good news. And then we've left out follow. You know, this monster revolution we're seeing globally right now, particularly in the Islamic world. I mean, there's stuff I can't say publicly that I would just love to tell you. It's just thinking amazing. 30% of all Muslims who accept Jesus, and we know them, they're our friends, we work with them, 30% have an encounter with Jesus. They have a dream or a vision of him. And it's not a picture of Jesus. It's not a prayer card. It's not Scandinavian Jesus. You know, blonde hair, blue eyed, you know. They actually meet the transfiguration Jesus. We just read about that's who they make, 30%. And he says the same thing to all of them. He doesn't change his message. He says one thing to them. What do you think it is? All of them. He appears to them and he just says, follow me. Follow me. You know, and when that happens, man, you don't, you can just land the plane. You don't need a slick gospel presentation or you don't need to know what you're doing. Like you need no skill set. I have very little skill set. I can't put gas in the car barely. Um, you know, Stacy can't get me to fix anything, but you can just land that plane. When they have met Jesus, that transfiguration Jesus, and he says, follow me. They're just running around looking, who was that? And how do I follow him? Makes our work easy. So here's what we've done in the U.S. We just say, believe, you know, repent, and then believe so you can go to heaven when you die and just go to church in between. How's that working? Anybody? Is that working? No. No, why? It's incomplete. It's absolutely, the goal is the kingdom and we have left out follow. To be a disciple, you have to follow. You have to obey. Rip is on staff here to help you follow Jesus. That's what he's here for. That's what he does 24-7. If you want to 
answer this call of Jesus to follow him, go talk to Rip. He'll help you. That's what he's here for. That's his job. He'll help you follow Jesus. Friends, we've got to get the complete gospel back. Because that's the only way the kingdom is going to advance, that the church is going to thrive. And I think that we can work with God in what he is trying to do right now. All right? This brings us to Paul today. He's writing to the church in Philippi. So here's where we are. We see Jesus for who he is. It's undeniable. Take it or leave it. It's perfectly clear. There's no doubt, right? Then we have to decide. He says, follow. He says, follow. And then we just have to decide if we're going to respond to that. So Paul, what he's doing this morning is just showing us what it looks like to say yes. What it looks like to follow Jesus. All right, we, we got to see what it looks like. He's showing us this, to be a true disciple. All right, in verses 12 and 14, he uses the word press. Remember that? He says, I press on. That means to pound, to beat. It's a, it's a violent word, right? It's a violent word, pound, beat. After Paul begins to follow Jesus, what he does is he gathers up his whole life and he starts it's aggressive, pound it, beat it intensely, 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 focusing it to a single point, which is Jesus. It's an aggressive, violent word. One thing, he says in verse 14. He says, I'm only going after one thing now, and that's Jesus. One thing. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and I was raised in it, and I've always believed it, and I've always gone to church. That's pretty passive. That's pretty casual. Nothing intense there. You know, nothing aggressive. Right? You're not a disciple unless you have felt some kind of aggressive spiritual force come upon you and focus you. See, a power, the gospel is a power that comes upon us from the outside and grabs us. Colossians 1.9, Paul says it. I struggle by the energy he so mightily inspires within me. God is doing this. So to really be a disciple, if you want to say yes, you've seen Jesus this morning. He says follow. You know, if you, if you really want to do this, our life is gathered up and focused, and pressed, pounded towards one thing, and that's Jesus. Your whole life becomes about one thing. Are you a casual person religiously? Has Jesus and his gospel grabbed hold of you and pressuring you, pushing you towards him to one point? Or is Christianity something you've taken up like tennis and golf? You know, we fit it in with the rest of our schedule. You know, sorry, Henry said I was going to be a little mean today. You know, yeah, of course, I have golf on Wednesday, church on Sunday. All right. That means the gospel has not taken hold of you. What happened during COVID? We saw, we together, we okay here? Y'all all right? Y'all seem okay. All right. We saw during COVID studies were coming out that said, and they became true that 35% of people who left church when the church is closed are never coming back. And that's absolutely borne out. Those are pretty much the people who are just kind of hanging on the pool on the shallow end. 
and they went to church on Sunday because it's something they always did. But when the church is closed, they found something better to do on Sunday morning. And so they're not coming back. You see the people, I see them every Sunday. Once we've hit an hour, they leave. They sneak out the back. Skip out for communion, the prayers of the people, all that bit. God gets one hour. I got other things to do. Stacy and I call that the quarterback sneak. We used to do it. Yeah, way back when. We used to do it. I mean, unless you're a doctor who just got paged, what's more important? God gets an hour, that's what I do on Sunday. Those are the people on the shallow end who didn't come back, not coming back. Why? The gospel had not gotten hold of them. We're still in the shallows. Jesus did not take hold of me because I grabbed at him. I took hold of Jesus because he took hold of me. Following Jesus, it doesn't start with you. It starts with him. It starts upon you. It's something that, that comes upon you and it, and it takes you up. Paul is saying, I only grasp, I have only become intense because intensity has become upon me. Paul's real intense, right? You read Paul? Now he's real intense. You probably wouldn't like Paul for your rector. <laughs> That'd be kind of unpleasant for everybody, right? Paul was super intense. But it was, he says it's because this intensity has drawn him. So the way you know, okay, here's the test, that you are the object of God's spiritual intensity is you become intense yourself. It's not casual. It's not passive. And when you're being grabbed and taken hold of, what happens? First thing that happens is you think, you, you come to this place. First thing is you have to, you start thinking either or. You say either, either or, either there is a God, and if he's true, if there really is a God, then my relationship with him is really the only thing that matters. If there is no God, if I reject that, then nothing really matters and I can do whatever I want. It's an either or. There's nothing acceptable in between. Your life is being gathered up. It's being focused, pressed, squeezed, pounded towards one point. That's how you know. Paul tells us what a disciple is. It's, It's someone whose entire life has been refocused to a single point. And when, because when you're in Christ, all things are made new. You know, we have people who um, hate us, attack us, because we reach out to Muslims. I mean, they hate our guts. And they're in churches, right? Why bother them? They have their God, they're fine, they're happy, leave them alone. Who are you? They have never, and I just want to point this out to them, they have never, ever met a Muslim who began to follow Jesus. Because they will tell you the difference. They will tell you everything changed. Absolutely everything. They are a new creature in Christ. And everything became new. And their whole life is completely different. So I just tell them, shut up. Talk to a Muslim follower of Jesus. Talk to him. So we're not a disciple unless our, our whole life is, is revolutionized in that we see everything differently. Everything has changed. It's gathered up. We're gathered up, focused, and pounded in a different direction. What does this look like? Okay. 
God's kingdom, that's his big goal, that's Jesus' big goal, becomes our priority. We care most about what God cares about. God's, God's heart, God's vision is to be Lord over all creation, to restore all lost people to himself, to, to free and heal broken people and broken communities. Okay, gut check question right now. Does your heart ache for God's kingdom to come? You know, we pray mostly for the things that are aching our hearts, right? What's on our heart? What are we aching about? That's what we pray for. Our hearts ache for our children to follow Jesus. So we pray achingly with tears. Are we praying for the lost? Are we praying for broken people in broken places? Start with Midland. Any brokenness here? Everything all right? All right? They're all around. Broken people and places are all around us. Pray. If you've been, if you've been gathered up and this aggressive force has come upon you and you're, re, and you're, where you're, you're refocused, you're going to ache. Friends, where is the weekly prayer meeting for the lost? Here in Midland, in the U.S., in the nations? Where Where'd it go? If the gospel has gotten a hold of you, you're going to make a priority. You're going to make time for it. Matter of fact, here's the deal. You're going to insist on it. It won't be Henry begging you to come. It'll be you insisting that we do this. And when are we going to do it? Aching for the things that ache God's heart. That's how we know. We're refocused. We've been pounded. Right? That's the test. We focus our time, our energy, our money on God's kingdom. We look for darkness and we bring the light. Look for the darkness here in Midland. If Jesus has really gotten a hold of you, he's going to refocus you to what he's doing and what he wants to do towards what matters to him. See, what happens if we are gathered, grabbed, pressed, focused, beaten down, driven towards him, we're going to get a mission. He's going to give us a mission. Some of us are wondering why our life is tasteless, joyless. You know why? Because you don't have a mission higher than yourself. We don't have any higher mission than a nicer house, a newer car, and better countertops. That's our mission. Right? And granted, it's nice. Like, it's great. I love it. And I'm all for it. If you can afford it, do it. But that it, we, we are, as human beings, we were made for something higher. You haven't been gathered up and refocused. So what's happening, you are being smothered. The reason why you're cranky, joyless, tasteless, frustrated, lost maybe, is you're being smothered under small ambitions. Friends, you were made for something better. You were made for something bigger. We are made to live for something higher than ourselves. That's how you are made. That's your DNA. You're hardwired that way. And you're going to be frustrated and fussy until you see that, till you, till you start living into your identity and your destiny. You see that? We just smother it with small stuff. You know, a lot of us are dying inside because we just haven't prioritized God's mission. You know, we were built. To live for something bigger than us, bigger than our lifestyle, our houses, our vacations, our granite. That's just so inadequate. Like, what is Jesus? What do you live for? What do you live? That's the question. What do you live for? Well, what did Jesus live for? 
He said, I live to see people transformed through the touch of the gospel. I want to see institutions transformed, families transformed, neighborhoods transformed, countries transformed, Midland transformed. My God, even Odessa can get transformed. <laughs> you know, I want to see broken people transformed. That's what gives me purpose. That's what he said. That is my joy. It's my purpose. Do you have something like that? You know, we're just so less than what we were built for. We were built for higher. We were built for better. Friends, as we begin Lent, if you're still kind of hanging on to the edge of the pool, if you're still in the shallows, kind of in between, see Jesus for who he truly is. Let this hit you between the eyes. Friends, use these next 40 days. You have a window here. You have a great opportunity. It's what Lent is all about. Get serious with him. Get real with Jesus. Just get serious with him. Decide, let go of the edge. During this Lent season, gather, let him gather you up and pound you and refocus you and point you in a new direction. He'll change your heart. He'll change your priorities. He will change how you see people and places. You know, let him give you a heart that aches to see broken and lost people. Let him give you a heart that is radically crazy generous, stupid generous. Just stupid generous. You know, let him, he'll change how you see everything. I'll just be real honest, we're family. You know, I used to hate Muslims. After 9-11, I want to sign up to kill them. Right? I'm ready to go fight. That's where I was. I'm ready to go fight. I'm going to kill them. And yeah, God didn't like that. Don't like say, I don't like certain people and we'll never go there and don't care. You'll end up there. All right. So what he did to fix that was he sent me to the Muslim world where we've been the last 12 years. And what I saw was lost, broken people that God loves and they act the way they do because they're broken and they don't know him and he loves them And it's a big rescue operation. He wants to rescue. It's not their fault they were born Muslims, that they were born in Islam. It's not their fault. Our job is to rescue them out of there, out of love, because God loves them. And God changed my heart. I love them now. I just want to see them. I I share out of love. I want to see them rescued. I want them to know they have a father in heaven. I want them to know their eternal destiny. I want the kingdom to come there. Jesus took my heart from hate and violence to love and compassion and mercy. Friends, let him focus you, refocus you on praying for the lost. Get that prayer meeting going. Ache for it. Badger Henry. Get on his case. Bug him. It's your hearts that matter. Yeah. I got to have your hearts convicted. If you're a follower of Jesus, your heart's going to ache for this, and you're going to bug Henry, and you're going to do it. Because you ache to see God's kingdom come. You ache for Midland. You ache for the U.S. You ache for the nations, knowing that the only answer is Jesus, and aching for him to move. Friends, be a disciple who listens to him and obeys to please Jesus. He can't love you any more or less. You can't earn this. We don't do it to earn. It's not religion right? It's because he's worthy. 
We see today how worthy he is. Let this gospel show you how wor- who he is and how worthy he is. And friends, if you do this, what's going to happen? I promise you something. You're going to experience joy like you have never experienced. If you had some joy when you got those new countertops on, you know, looked at the granite real nice, you're happy. Then that's great. Like, that's wonderful, right? This is going to be a thousand times better. This is going to be a deep joy you have never felt before because it's what you were made for. You were made for joy. It's the answer. Friends, that is real joy news for today. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.